Hey, 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 Doctor Who fans. Welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 332. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, 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 Doctor Who fans, welcome back to another week. This is episode 332. Hope you're keeping well and safe. Hope you've had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who, who. Ooh, related. related. That was a good With one. An extra ooh there. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> I hope your brains have all recovered and that you've uh, you've put them back together again. You remember R5-D5 in Star Wars? Yeah. The oh, <laughs> little yeah. white and red droid when he gets picked and he comes out all happy because he's been picked and then he blows a gasket before he even gets to the end of the that's me that's my mind blown it's got a bad motivator look blew its stack <laughs> what are you trying to do to me what are you trying to push on us that's yeah. me <laughs> this week that blue unit is in fine condition sir <laughs> so i hope your brains are all, all healed and, and back together we're going to come on to our review in a little while of episode sorry chapter three once upon time. Mm. God, what a mind melter, dude. Jesus it Christ. Is. Just thinking of, just thinking about watching that episode now is just making my brain hurt a little bit. So I think I think we've done a decent enough job of re-watching it a couple of times and somewhat getting ahead around it. So uh, all the smart Doctor Who fans listening, we do apologise. You've probably watched it once and we're like, what's the problem? Yeah, what's, what's, your, what's your problem, mate? Yeah, yeah. so do apologise if we're a little bit... Uh, Little, a couple of thickos this week, uh, but it's going to be good. So, um, yeah, I've I've not done anything too much in the way of Doctor Who. The only thing I did do uh, was last night I watched the TV movie. Oh yes, I saw your Twitter post. Yeah, yeah. I I was just I really needed something else other than not even 
anything to do with Jodie's era, dude. I just needed something else that wasn't modern Doctor Who. I just needed something entertaining and light and simple. And yeah, the old, the old close your eyes, finger across the bookcase thing stopped at the TV movie. I was like, yeah, fine. Loves mm-hmm. them again. So yeah. So I enjoyed that last night, dude. I think every, it's one of those things. Every time I watch it, I get a little bit more, uh, a bit more appreciation for it. So yeah, a bit of the old TV movie action for me. I've, what have you done, dude? Anything? Uh, no, not at all. I know it's been a really quiet week for me. I mm. I just saw your tweet from the TV movie thing last night, and I agree with you about the McCoy's outfit in that one. It is cool, isn't it? It's very it's cool. It's just sort of yeah. like the, a slightly toned down. Yeah, I'd love to have seen seen more of him in that. Um, I I like I, I love the TV movie. I kind of felt like watching it because your your squir- screenshot just really put me in the mood for it. Bizarrely, <laughs> uh, by doing it, Charles. Now I've had a quiet week, mate. I um, my Galaxy Four Steelbook arrived. A uh, really lovely Steelbook that one. Uh, but I haven't had a chance to crack it open. I saw it at the BFI, so I've seen it recently anyway. But uh, yes, it's been a bit of a quiet week in the uh, in the old household this week. The Steelbook is that still available? I don't think I I pre-ordered this one. Weirdly, ooh, yeah, I think it's still available. It's it's a really nice one. It's like a oh, I'm color blind, so I'm, I was going to say bright orange. It's probably it's probably green. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's bright orange. It looks it looks lovely anyway, whatever it, color it is. Okay, I shall investigate that. I think the uh, the standard Blu-ray is uh, normal price. Yeah, it must be. Um, oh, it's thirty squid still. Yeah, I know those steelbook prices mm. are creeping up, aren't they? Because it's um, it's two, yeah, it's two discs, but it's still thirty quid. Do you see they're doing one for the um for this series, series thirteen, Flux? They're doing an Amazon exclusive. Um, yeah. By that artist, is it Alex Zhang? Am I am yes, I getting that right? I think so. Uh, that yep. does look really good. I love love that style of artwork. Um, can, when it's weird when you compare something like that, which just looks like oh they've really gone to town and the artist has done a great job, and then you go back and look at the series eleven still book, which was a photograph taken on an iPhone, it's like hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I still don't know what happened with that still book. It's, what what went wrong? Yeah, that's not really. They did, yeah, go on. Sorry. Well, it's just that they did some really nice artwork for Series 11. It's not like they didn't have anything. Do you remember they did, um, or was it Series 12? They had that swirl stuff. But I know there was some nice artwork for Series 11 that they didn't use. There was, uh, actually, yeah. I think yeah. it is that one, yeah, because I yeah. remember the standard DVD was like the, the really nice artwork, and then Steelbook was that iPhone photo of her on a hill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah, someone, yeah, we need this quick. Lens is busted. Get your phone out. <laughs> it do. was taken by one of the actors, I think, from the actual from that episode. It's the ghost monument, isn't it? Can't remember the actor's name, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think he t- he said, "Oh, that's my picture. That is, oh, nice. I took that. Yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> just stolen. Oh, we need that for the steel book because we've got all this fantastic artwork we've commissioned, but we need that photo, mate. Hand it over. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, how did that happen? Who's making these decisions? Yeah, some drunk person. Yeah, the only thing is with the series stuff now. And we haven't got too long to wait until the Series 13, uh, the both the Blu-ray and the Steelbook Blu-ray. They're both out at the end of January at the moment, 24th of Jan next year. Yeah. The, the only thing is, is that, is there going to be some controversy again around, it probably won't include the festive special, will it? No, it won't. It's a, yeah, people already kick off. It's, it's a weird one, that. Cause so weird. Yeah. It is annoying, but then this series feels standalone anyway, so I'm not sure where I stand on that one. I, I don't think I'm too bothered if it's not in there, but I get why people would like it on there. I don't know. Mm. There's a bit of markup on these as well, 40 quid 
for the what? St- for the steel ray. Yeah, it's thirty eight. Oh, for the steel book, yeah, thirty eight quid on the steel book, and yeah, it's only nineteen ninety nine for the standard. Why is the steel book so much more on this one? I don't know because again, only six episodes, isn't it? It's not like it's a mammoth mm. twenty four eps season. Six yeah. episodes, forty quid. Yeah. Yeah. Shock him. A life of a Doctor Who fan, eh? Oh, I know. There we go. <laughs> Rightio, before we crack on with our review then, just want to let you know that we have brand new episodes that land every single Friday for free. So make sure you listen uh, in whatever podcast app you listen to your podcast on. Give us a follow so that you uh, they land in your app automatically. Uh, you can listen to the episodes on our website too, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. Uh, they're all on there, along with our reviews and opinion pieces and articles from the writing team. So check all that out as well. We've got some new articles landing in the next, well, yesterday, if you're listening to this on Friday and then throughout next week. We are on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. There are links on the website or just do a search for us over there. Come and chat Doctor Who throughout the week. Uh, having some good old chats with peeps on the socials at the minute. It's very, very cool. Who fandom is in a really good place at the minute. So having some really good chats on the Twitter and um, and on Facebook and stuff to come and get involved. Uh, we're also having a good chat over on our Discord server, which is also free. So come and hop in there and uh, chat Who with other Who fans. And uh, make sure you check out my co-host channel over on YouTube. It is, of course, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, go and have a look at my channel. <clears throat> I'm also on all the socials, of course. Of course, Facebook, yeah. Twitter and Instagram, yeah, yeah. Just put out a mega unboxing video, didn't I, mate? Mega! Oh, that was cool, that video, dude. You did a good job on that. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome, yes, if that. You, yes, if you want your advent calendar ruined, go and have a look at my new video. <laughs> <laughs> I basically open all the doors. Like a kid who cannot <laughs> wait for Christmas. <laughs> I well, do put a warning at the start. <laughs> what an advertisement for your video if you want your christmas ruined yeah, go, go and go and watch video. my video yeah <laughs> that is a cool video yeah and that calendar's pretty sweet it is isn't yeah. it yeah yeah it's not bad yeah. yeah huge yeah so go and check out adam's stuff the geek's handbag go and get a cuppa and and go and watch all that stuff mm. right dude hit us up review time oh you're not gonna do the news about the ratings uh oh yeah yeah you, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah got carried away see you did you just can't you cannot wait to get into the review can you, you like one of those greyhound dogs yeah in the yeah. trap ready to to spring out very <laughs> sorry then so very quickly so for uh once upon time uh the overnight figures are in and they sit at the moment at 3.76 mil for the overnights which is a slight drop on last week again so last week which was uh, war of the centaurans the overnights for that one was 3.96 so we've lost uh, a few viewers there mm-hmm. and um, when you look at the consolidated figures actually for last uh, sorry week before last war of the centaurans chapter two <clears throat> that came out at 5.10 million it's a bit of an increase there which is good so that's pretty good yeah, mm. and then the um, the AI score, the appreciation index for uh, Once Upon Time, is currently sitting at seventy five. Oh dear! So when you take these three first three episodes halfway through the series, the average at the moment is seventy six for the AI. So not amazing, not great there, but um, yeah, there's still room for improvement though. That could jump up as we get through the last half. So True. I have no idea how this episode has impacted the AI score at all. Um, I, I don't know, but it's it's currently uh, 75, 76 for the series. 
Yeah. 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 It's going to have been a deal breaker this week. We'll see. We'll be interested to see one next week. Yes, indeedy. Yeah. Uh, I haven't missed any other news, have I, dude? No, that's no, it. Right, no, cool. go on. You can do it now. Let's do it. Now let's do it. Review time, dude. Hit us up. What are we doing? Yeah, so it's a part, uh, chapter, hang on, let's get it right. Chapter three of Doctor Who Flux, <gasps> Once Upon Time. On my command. I spend my life walking into new places and weighing things up fast. You don't put yourself and your friends in the midst of a time storm unless there's no alternative. What is that? I can't hold on to everything. I will not let them die. What do you want? To reign in hell. We've come to reclaim what you took. You shall not have this! Epic stuff. Good luck with the synopsis. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter three. Once upon time. Went out on the 14th of November, obviously, written by the Chibinator, directed by um, Azure Salim. Stars uh, the usuals for this series, obviously, Jodie Whittaker, Mandic Gill and John Bishop. Reasonably sized cast again to support them in this one. And the synopsis is, I'm going to cheat because I've got it off of Wiki. Off the TARDIS Wiki's website. So, Atropos has fallen once again. The Doctor has thrown herself into a time storm in a desperate bid to save her friends. As time itself comes apart, she finds much more than she bargained for. All four are lost together in memories, past, present and future. So many roles they play, so many choices they have endured. And now, what happened once has come again. So the synopsis does absolutely nothing to help... No, that hasn't the, clarified it. The plot at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, dude, as usual, off you go. <laughs> Over to you, dude. What did you think of Once Upon Time? Oh, I was, was going to do that thing of pretending I loved it and then going, nah, I didn't really. <laughs> um, no, I thought it was an absolute shambles, <laughs> to be honest. I'll oh. I, I tell you what, it's a good job we don't report, <laughs> like reaction podcasts. An absolute you know, like, shambles. Absolute shambles. Um, yeah, it's a good job we didn't record this straight after yet, mate, because I was just so, I wouldn't say fuming, but I was just like, I, I think it just would have been a massive, massive rant. Um, I really, really did not enjoy this on a first watch at all. I was just like, what the, it finished. And I, I don't normally break the code. We don't normally tell each other what we think before an app and i didn't tell you but i just put what the f was that i just messaged you didn't i, I just couldn't i needed to just tell so i was fuming um because i think because i was so looking forward to it i think the first two episodes have really brought me in and i've been loving it and i was so excited for this i thought the third ep we'd start to really sort of feel the story sort of opening up a bit maybe giving us a few answers and this just threw in loads more stuff in the mix gave us even more questions and it was just so messy and all over the place. Um, so obviously, I, you know, I simmered down. I, I looked at the reaction on Twitter. I mean, one thing I will say is it's got, like you said, fandom's in a fairly good place. I mean, it's got people talking, so that's good. It, it is one of those episodes, I think most people, or the majority of people have, have sort of really enjoyed the first two. This one is the one that is divided opinion um, hugely. So the reaction on Twitter was really interesting. Uh, a lot of people like myself were just completely baffled by it. Um, really didn't enjoy it. There were some people, I mean, 
I, I'd had a few drinks. I'm not going to lie. Uh, some people were messaging me saying that was an 11 out of 10. And that was, and I was just, I don't normally answer. I normally just let people have it. I was like, are you serious? I was like, did we watch the same episode? Which I don't normally do. It, it really got me that angry. Um, anyway, to cut to the chase, I did give it another watch last night. <laughs> I really hoped it'd be one of those episodes where I, I was stone cold sober and I, and I really tried to concentrate to get the story. Cause there are a lot of people out there that seem to think if you didn't get this, you're some sort of thicko. I thought, yeah, it's probably not that hard to understand. Um, I, again, if anything, I found it even more frustrating on the second rewatch. And I, I really, oh, I was trying so hard to get into it. And it probably isn't that difficult to understand the story. But I think the problem is, because I am so unengaged by it, I think I, it loses me after the first five minutes. I really like the start. So I like the introduction of Belle and I really like the stuff with Dan talking about he once nearly got married and I was thinking, so the first five minutes I'm thinking, now hang on, maybe this isn't as bad as I thought. And then after that, it just keeps swapping and changing and people keep turning into different people and we cut from location to location to time to different time. I was really, I'll tell you, after about half an hour I was sat there and you know your gif you put on Twitter last night, that was absolutely spot on that frustration on my face was that gif that you put um on twitter that that just total bewilderment so it may not be that hard to understand this episode i i get what people are saying but the fact is i couldn't get into it so therefore i still don't understand it um even though i tried to sort of watch it properly it loses me it just can in terms of my interest it just loses me completely halfway through so I, I still don't understand it, but mainly because I just lost interest. Yeah, I was just, by the end of the second watch, so frustrated by this episode uh, that I couldn't enjoy it. Oh. So, over to you. <laughs> oh. A shambles, dude. A shambles. Right. Um, I I didn't mind it, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Um. I certainly think it's the weakest of the series so far. Mm. Not just because it's... um, I mean, let's be honest. When we reviewed episode one, we said uh, casual viewers are going to struggle, I think, with episode one. And then we said there was a bit of a silver lining because if you were fresh to Doctor Who, it just made you even more interested, hopefully anyway, to check out the next episode and, and that sort of thing. So it was it there is a def, there's a big barrier to entry, I think, with this series. If for some reason you've not watched Doctor Who and you've thought, I've missed the first couple of eps, I'll jump in here. And if it's any good, I'll go back and watch the other two on catch up or something. Then uh, you've just got apps like even like you said, on Twitter and other people and even to who fans like like yourself who have been doctor who fans for life and for me for many years and all the rest of it and we know more than your average sort of person i suppose about who um even then it's still like just what the what the f is going on like what yeah. just what is going on i kind of get it to a degree i i kind of get this whole thing around uh it's it's a very I think it's in a similar vein to when we reviewed uh, the something of the Doctor recently, where they go to Trendelaw and they jump into the time stream, and then mm. the Great Intelligence jumps into the Doctor's time stream across everything, and then 
Clara goes in and stuff like that. I think it's it's kind of in the same vein as that where um the the doctor has created this time storm in order to hide Yaz and Dan and everything away from Azure and Swarm and and uh so that they can't be traced. But as a result of that, the um the doctor can't control anything time because of what's happening with the flux and, and everything. Uh, and what's also happening with, um, those dudes, those dudes in the white robes, they are called the Maori, uh, the Maori. Yeah. So what's happening with them as well. They obviously, these beings, whoever they are, they can, they keep time in check to a degree, but because they're, not firing all cylinders at the minute because of what's happening on the planet time. Um, everything's just gone to beep. So the doctor can't control the time streams. She can't properly, you know, rescue them. She can't even talk to them properly at some points. So it times basically splintered. So some of them are in the past, some of them are in the future. Some of them don't recognize where they are. So I get that to a degree. It's just kind of, it's like chaos basically because, but that's needed because otherwise, um, Swarm and Azure are just going to kill them on the spot. Mm. So the Doctor just manages to create the storm before Azure snaps his fingers, uh, and then they'll dissipate into whatever time period. So I, I get that part of it. After I watched it the second time, I was like, right, okay. What seems to be disorganised chaos is actually on purpose, because the yeah. Doctor has created this to hide them sort of thing. So that part of it just met with my mind for a while, and then I thought, uh. but then when I watched it a second time, I was like, Okay, this not this is not this is not as bad as what I when I came away from the first watch. This is not as bad, but it's still. I think for me, it feels like the the filler for this series to me. Mm. It definitely feels like the the unintentional filler because we know now that um, uh, the the person that we see at the beginning which is kind of weird because it's the title at the beginning, the text says Belle's story. Yeah. But she's only in it for a little bit. She's only in it for what, three or four scenes. Mm. And it turns out that as we know that she's searching for Vinder, Vinder searching for Belle. That's why he goes back to their home planet at the end. You know, they're searching for each other, which is, which is something. Now there is a lot of talk around the baby. Yes. I've seen loads of theories on mm. online about who the baby is. Um, <laughs> I have as well, and I'm oh, yeah. a little bit worried about that. Yeah. Yes, so we're not going to dive into those because they could be... I, I don't want to get to the end of the series mm. and we then get people get in contact and say, you ruined it for us. That was a, So we're not going to go into that. So there's all that stuff. Um, but the thing that I, I couldn't really get my head around, dude, is the, is the point of it. it. It was one of those stories where, yes, the Doctor created the storm to hide them, you know, and save them to a degree. But then the only real sort of thing of consequence really is the doctor going back into one of her past memories as the, um, the fugitive doctor. Mm. And it was that scene. So, you know, at the very beginning of episode one, where they go onto that planet where swarm is being contained. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this is basically the prelude into that. So they go on to the... This is happening in the past. So they go on to the planet Time. They cap The Fugitive Doctor and those people capture Swarm and Azure and they contain them because the Doctor does say, you know, it's either death or it's, you know, you know, confinement for infinity sort of thing. 
so that part of it kind of links into the first episode and stuff and i you know that's kind of cool i get that the rest of it though dude uh it's just filler stuff it's just all the little scenes where uh dan's off you know chatting to claire i think it's claire or someone um and uh yaz is sort of dotted around here and there and she sees you know they both see visions of the doctor and stuff as she's trying to communicate all those things don't really go anywhere it's just right we need to get them off here while this other stuff goes on in the episode and then we'll bring them all back at the end and and that sort of thing so i didn't enjoy it and i didn't hate it it's just one of those wow i can see what chibbers was trying to do here trying to pull a bit of a moff bag thing um because we cussed Moffat hard for this sort of stuff in a couple of episodes where it's just like, why the frick is this so timey-wimey and why is it so just confusing? Just trying to be too clever. Yeah, so I think it's, it does have shades of that. It, it, it is trying way too hard to be timey-wimey. So, but I didn't hate it, though. Mm, yeah. I did, yeah, I was going to say, I, it, I didn't hate it, but it frustrated me. And I think the thing is, I get what Chibnall was trying to do. I just don't think the execution was done right yeah so i quite yeah. i quite like the idea behind the story of jumping in the time storm and and you know going in different places and all that i like the idea of it but it just didn't come together i don't think and um someone on twitter summed up for me they said it's a it's a bit like an hour-long trailer <laughs> where, where <laughs> a 50-minute trailer where they're showing you clips from forthcoming episodes and they just put them all together and I, I, I kind of get that because it is. It's just a series of different scenes that you've kind of somehow got to to put in order because they're out of order. And and I think the only way I'm going to enjoy this episode in the way it's intended is is possibly by the end of the series. Like maybe at the end of Flux, when I'm watching it as a whole, and I kind of know where all this stuff fits in and where it's going, maybe then I'll be able to... to sort of put all the pieces in place and enjoy this episode but at the minute it was just too much of a um <laughs> i was gonna say influx of of information it was just too much being thrown at me when i've already got enough stuff in my head for this series that i want answers for it was just just throwing in another load if you like another barrel load of questions so that it's just like a to me it's just like a piece in the jigsaw puzzle but it's it's in the wrong place at the minute. It's not fitting in the jigsaw. It's just, it's annoying me. I'm going, oh, it looks like it fits in, but it doesn't. It, it's just, yeah, just found it so frustrating to watch, really. But there, there are things I did like. I mean, I, I did like Belle's story. I, I've seemed to have immediately taken to her character. I like her, and I, and I thought the actress was was good. Uh, I am intrigued by the Belle and Vinda story. Uh, slightly worried by what the baby might turn out to be because of some of the rumours we're hearing. But, I'm slight, so I'm, I'm quite invested in Belle. I thought she was a good character, and uh, and I think think it was nice to see Vindy getting some stuff to do, um, even though the story itself, for what it was, was confusing as hell. I thought I do think the cast were giving good performances in this, so that's another thing I enjoyed, particularly Jodie, who, uh, as you know, I find I struggle a little bit with Jodie's Doctor, but. It was really good to see her playing the darker, more serious Doctor. Now, I know she was trying to emulate the Fugitive Doctor because of, you know, the timey-wimey stuff. So they give her the darker coat, but her performance was notice- noticeably different. 
And I, I wish she was like that all the time, that much more serious, <laughs> you know, more commanding, like when she's like, blow the doors off. And she's got, actually got a bit of screen presence and a bit of authority. I'm like, this is what I wanted the, the 13th Doctor to be like. So it was really nice to see Jodie um, being given that opportunity to show a different side. And I, I just wish she'd been more written more like that anyway. Um, but um, what was I going to say about the overall... Uh, I'll come back to it. There was a point I really wanted to make and I've lost lost the thread <laughs> talking about Jodie, but it was something else you'd said that I wanted to pick up on. Um, I'll come back to it, dude. I'll come okay. back to it. It'll yeah. come back to me. just can't remember what it was. Yeah, cool. It's um, Yeah, there was a lot of information that was thrown at you. And I think if you... It, it was one of those things where if you went to make a cup of tea or you blinked, <laughs> excuse mm-hmm. the pun... You'd, you'd miss where it was because you, you it, the writing is key because you're really relying on the doctor mostly with her converse, conversations with the with the um with the priests you know the uh, what they oh dude please remind me again what the maori the maori yeah maori yeah. the maori maori um yeah so you're you're as a viewer you're relying so heavily because the doctor's actually saying to them look I need to go back and get one more memory because that's the I think the point of where because there are two things isn't there that's um that's going on as well as the time storm that she's created which is apparently bad anyway it's like crossing the streams in Ghostbusters it's like bad yes, bad bad yeah don't cross the streams yeah. yeah um on top of that the doctor's going into her own time stream and as we've known from previous doctors in episodes it's like again it's like crossing the streams it's like bad 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 you don't do that mm. so as a result of that, when she's talking to the, to the, the, the pre, you know, the Maori, she's like, I need to go back. I, it, she's all of a sudden, and this is a bit worrying as well. All of a sudden, we've got more of this timeless child thing creeping in because oh, yes. the doctor's now realizing, right, this is an opportunity for me to go back to my own, into my own memories and try and find out what, what my, you know, you know, my, uh, um, my early times were i guess before she before this whole you know the doctor thing i don't know um and when the time lord sort of oh god i don't even like talking about it you know <laughs> extracted her ability to regenerate yeah 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 so um so all that stuff so that that part of it i really liked uh, uh, not the timeless child aspects but i liked the fact that the doctor and jody's performance like there's a few scenes where She's really shit, like really going for it, really screaming. And when she's in the time storm, yeah, yeah, and she's really, she's like, "Don't you, you know, I need to find out." And just uh, one more piece and all that. that. That was good stuff. It was good. Yeah, it was yeah. really cool. And you can see the desperation in her face. She's just so desperate to use this opportunity to go and find out. Um, you know, like I said, what was going on, and then when it all comes to a head and it's everything sort of calmed down a bit in the last few minutes, it does feel like you've, you've been through it. Like, you know, you wipe the sweat off your brow and stuff. Cause it's really calming at the end, you know, mm. at, at, towards the end, I don't want to jump forward too much too quickly, but at the end where, uh, Vinda goes into the TARDIS and he's amazed by it. And, uh, weirdly he knows what a TARDIS is. He's like, this is a TARDIS. Yeah. And, uh, and then he's back on his home planet and then it's cooled down a bit. And, uh, we still get Mona Yaz, though. The Doctor's oh, getting know. a bit frustrated with Yaz, isn't she? She's like, yeah, she snaps her head off yeah. at one point at the end. Why is everything a conversation with you? And you can see her face. She's like, oh, 
Ooh. Oh, no. Handbags up, I'll go in the TARDIS then. <laughs> so it does calm a bit, but yeah. Um, the other scene I want to mention, which is complete, I have no... That's, this is the one bit that I don't know where it's going. And that is the backstory for Vinda, who gets assigned this post to be yeah. like the assistant to this guy called the Serpent. Yeah. The head serpent thing. And then this serpent guy is obviously a real asshole. And he's like um, having a meeting with these two people. And he's like, turn off the recording. And then he gives them like his proper demands. Like you'll kill these people and make it look like an accident and do all this. But I, I have no idea what that's related to, where it's come from or where it's going to go. I, I don't yeah. know how they're going to resolve that. Because if that's just a little bit of filler so that we can see what happened to Vinda. Opportunity lost, man. That's just... I've no idea what that's about, dude. That that threw me as well. That really threw me. And I hope it's not filler, because the guy playing... Um, uh, what's his name? The the new guy? Uh, the, the Serpent, dude. The, the Serpent. Um, Grand he's Serpent, the, he, yeah. Yeah, he's the guy from um, Line of Duty. It's a good actor. So Craig I'm, Parkinson, I'm, I'm, yeah. Yes, I'm guessing, I'm guessing he's going to be in it more, because they've, they've got you know quite an established actor to play it but yeah that that threw me out uh one thing i did think was good though was is when mandip um yaz sorry is is in that scene where she keeps changing into the the guy when she's talking to vinda um she's sort of in this sort of military get up um she gives a it's really good to see her getting something different to do you know the bit where she's uh, sat at a table opposite vinda uh yes. oh, yeah 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 and she's yeah. like but then she keeps sort of changing into another an old guy <laughs> and again not sure what's going on there but again it was just yeah it was a nice bit of um performance from mandip gill just being more authoritative and, and getting yeah, something yeah. to do so i think the cast were given some great stuff to do it, it just seemed too jumbled and when i lost my thread earlier what i was leading to you've just reminded me is um again without wanting to jump too quickly to the end but it just the way it wrapped up i didn't understand quite what happened on a first watch and I didn't get it on a second watch. I, they sort of suddenly, they got thrown out of the time storm. I think she convinced the Mori to sort of step back in or something. I, I, I was very unclear um, what happened, but it felt to me like the episode had reached its 45 minutes. Um, right. Enough of that filler. <laughs> Let's get them back in the TARDIS and move on to the next episode. It, it I agree it was nice the way it calmed down because it blimmin' needed to, but it, it just struck me as a really quick wrap-up, and I didn't quite get how everything was okay again. Like, oh, it's all good. The Morris are back on their thrones. We're in the TARDIS. Off we go. I didn't quite get that. Um, and do you want to know something funny? In my drunken state watching it on a first watch. I wasn't that drunk, by the way, but I'd had a couple. I've uh, been to my parents. Uh, <laughs> I remember when Vinda says... Ew, it's a TARDIS. Oh, I haven't seen one of these in ages. And I drunkly turned to my partner, who, by the way, had completely given up on this episode <laughs> at this point, was in the kitchen, just couldn't take it. Well, and I, you know, and I use that as my the casual viewer guide. Mm. I think you know, if if my you know, other half's given up watching, then then the something's good, you know, it's not good. Uh, but yeah, I drunkenly <laughs> went. Oh, Vinda just said TARDIS, and it, they're not called TARDIS because Susan named it a TARDIS, and it's just the oh. look I got was just like like i give yeah yeah <laughs> it's just like i don't know where that came from and i don't know why it annoyed me but it did it annoyed me and intrigued me at the same time i was like how does vinden know about tardis yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um did you find the the roof doctor 
did you gasp or faint or were you really like shocked to see the roof doctor when she appeared in the mirror? Because I feel like that should have been an OMG moment. And, um, I don't know. I think I was just kind of expecting it. It didn't have it didn't have the impact on me that I feel it should. I feel like I should have been going, ah, Fugitive Doctor's yeah. back. Oh my OMG! But I was just like, oh, kind of, I was kind of waiting for it to happen. I think, you know. Yeah. Do you know what, dude? I was kind of. I was, I was pleased to see her. Yeah. I was. I liked how they did that. To be fair, I, I think if we were looking for the OMG moment, that was in her really lovely looking TARDIS and. Oh yeah, you know, and all that stuff. She, oh, she has got a beautiful tardis. Oh, I know, inside and out. Yeah, so I was alright with it. It was, it was subtly done. It wasn't in your face because we. One of the complaints that we had, dude, in series uh, eleven and twelve, is that whenever there's another, especially that episode, um, fugitive of the Jadoon, when, yes. um, when Joe Martin was on screen with Jodie, she stole the show, and Jodie's performance was so lacklustre compared mm-hmm. to Joe Martin, that we were like, we need her to be the primary doctor in the episode and stuff because she's the she's the current doctor. But it was the opposite in those other ones and some other episodes as well. She was just a bit... Um, just, she wasn't giving it her all. Yeah. So in this one, I'm happy that Jodie had a, a really good performance and Joe Martin, although she's very cool and she was good in it, she wasn't in your face and taking over and all that stuff. She was more confused like like Jodie's doctor as to what was going on you know so i'm i'm happy with how they they brought her in i wasn't i actually didn't want that big omg moment because in on one hand i'm being very indecisive i'm sorry but on one hand it would have been cool because the episode would have probably benefited from that it's mm. something cooler amongst all the confusion and stuff happening but on the other hand i think i prefer it because it's more of a oh cool the fugitive doctors in this mm. not like Oh wow! This is about the fugitive doctor. She, yeah. She's she's there to support the fact that the doctor's gone back into her own time stream, and this is a memory rather than coincide, coinciding and being two separate doctors in the same time together. So it was kind of cool, but uh, yeah, it's a good it's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, okay. And I also, agree, yeah. um, they've confirmed that's what she's called now. So in the closing credits, mm. Joe Martin, the fugitive doctor. So that then kind of cements even more this timeless child thing dude i think that's where Mm -hmm. we're going with it you know i think we're really i think we're going to get some big a a big drop on this probably not next episode but in the last two i think we're going to get a big old a big old slice of timeless child stuff it's coming man it's definitely coming but yeah i feel it's coming another Uh, scene for you which was another question just thrown at you out of Mm -hmm. nowhere and then when it was done you were still like who the frick was that? And what's this about? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, the old woman, Orsock, played by Barbara <laughs> Flynn. Barbara the Doctor Flynn, just yeah. randomly arrives somewhere. We have no idea where or when. And this woman's really miffed at her. So, the Doctor's panicking, obviously. She's like, what's going on? Where am I? Sort of thing. And she's trying to piece this stuff together. And this woman's like, well, this is your fault basically like the flux wasn't like this natural thing that occurred the flux was this purposeful thing that was placed in the universe to you know to destroy everything and uh you know your mission to stop it is just futile it's just rubbish (laughs) and the doctor's confused just like the viewer like first because even the doctor the way it was written she's out loud like where am i can you just tell me where am i you know who are you sort of thing 
what was that about, dude? Who's that person? Who, who, who? I, I, I've no idea. I've no idea. Do you know, weirdly, <laughs> though, uh, and it's a scene that um, kind of got lost on me the first time around, because um, when she popped up on the second view, and I was like, oh, I'd forgotten about this. Um, yeah, such a random scene. Uh, I kind of, I just love the performance from Barbara Flynn, though. Yeah. It's so dismissive, and like you said, just like a school headmistress or something, just like, this is all your fault. And uh, and this thing that she says about the flux being a ma- something that was made, you know, not not a sort of natural occurrence. Again, who's made it? So it's so that's thrown another thing into the mix. But uh, yeah, very random. No idea who she is. Guessing we're going to see her again. Um, but even though she was only in it for literally a couple of minutes at the most, I thought Barbara Flynn was awesome. I was just like, great performance. Um, yeah, I want to see more of her. Basically, I want to want to see more of this character. But um, yeah, random as hell, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think that was really good direction as well by um, as your Celine, because if you think about it from Barbara Flynn's point of view, she's been cast as this character, and even if Barbara had watched Doctor Who at any point in her life, this has nothing to do with your everyday run-of-the-mill mm. Doctor Who. So she's basically been given the task of being this way with the Doctor, and the the director's like, look, this is kind of the reason why this character's a bit miffed with the Doctor and stuff, but you also need to play it in a way that's a little bit dismissive, a little bit mm. passive-aggressive and that sort of thing. So she, she, even though, like you said, she's only on screen for a couple of minutes at the most, she nailed that that sense of, you know, it's almost like the Doctor getting a telling off by a teacher or a mum or something, you know? It's that kind of vibe, and that you can only get that if the director properly explains why that character's there. So she probably would have got a bit more insight about, okay, in the next couple of episodes or even in the festive special, you're going to be back and it's going to lead into X, Y, and Z. We don't know that. So on screen for a couple of minutes, she's really got to nail that that vibe, you know? Mm, yeah, I, I, I totally get what you mean. Because what it is, is it feels like she's already a rounded character, yes. which is quite yeah. hard. It's the first time we've seen her. She's on screen for a couple of minutes, and yet I feel like we've already got to know her. <laughs> and I think that's what you mean, isn't it? It's like her performance was very assured. So mm. we just got her character straight away. She's quite authoritative. She doesn't mince her words. And yeah, and that's that's her. So yeah, it was just, we just felt, I felt almost like I'd seen her before in a way. I was like, yeah, yeah, totally got her character. Yeah, and I, I wasn't sure if she was put there on purpose either be, mm. by somebody. So this is right at the point where she's, um, I think she's saved Dan and Yaz and stuff. She's managed to successfully sort of hide them away at various points, and now they're back in the temple, um, you know, the uh, the Atropos temple. Yeah. Um, so they're back there. And this is at that, that point where the doctor's like, right, um, I can go back and just look at one more memory sort of thing. I need to find out. And the Moria, like you, you physically can't, you know, you not, you can't stay in the storm anymore. You're going to die sort of thing. And she's pleading with them and screaming and they, um, they force her out of the storm. Basically mm. they pull her out. So I'm wondering if the Moria have placed her there on purpose to see that, or if the character, the old woman Orsok has, has brought her in there to, to, to let her know that she's unhappy about it or whatever, or if it was just some random event, it, it could be any of those three things really. Cause the doctor mm. certainly didn't want to go there. She has no idea where it is or, or who that person is. So uh, that's another thing we're going to have to wait to see uh, who that person is. 
there, there's a lot to play out, isn't there, over yeah. the next three episodes? There's an awful lot to play out. Um, one thing I want to quickly talk about is we've mentioned how the last two episodes have looked fantastic. Like the CGI has been amazing. The whole production values look incredible for a TV show. What happened this week? I know. Did the budget yeah. run out? What there is? There are so many shoddy bits of CGI in this. Um, it's not just the odd scene. It's pretty much uh, most of the episode, I thought, to be honest. I mean, the, the CGI Daleks looks horrific. There's no excuse for that in this day and age, unless they, unless they really were up against time to get this episode finished. They looked awful, the CGI Daleks. Um, but it wasn't just that. It was, you know, the, I, I did say, didn't I, when I saw the trailer that the, the CGI looked dodgy, and I thought, oh, I'll probably yeah. look all right in context. But when she was in the uh, time storm, the whole thing just looked a bit ropey. Um, the scene in the desert with the backdrop, it was sort of blurred to try and make it look a bit better, but the, the backdrop looked rubbish when they were in the desert. Uh, Vinda, when he's um, gone back to wherever he is and it's all been destroyed, I mean, that looked rubbish. It just, it just was, it, well, not rubbish, but in contrast to the previous two episodes where the CGI really looked like you think about the Sontaran spaceship crashing into the the docks. I mean, God, that looked like something out of a Marvel film. It was incredible, brilliant CGI. What happened this week, dude? It's not just me, is it? The, the whole episode yeah. looked, as I said, I'm in comparison to the first two, not necessarily bad by everyday standards, but compared to the first two episodes, this looked ropey in a lot of places. Yeah. The spaceship that, um, uh, old matey from line of duty is spaceship. That would just look like that could be something out of almost out of the McCoy era. It just, it just, it, you know what I mean? That side shot <laughs> yeah. of his spaceship looked rubbish. Like, what went wrong this yeah, week with indeed, the production? It was, uh, was it rushed? It's an interesting one, isn't it? The old, the visual effects side of things, because Doctor Who's got more money now to do that stuff. You can see that. Yeah. E- even since Series 11, we've said that with every series that passes, it looks better and better, and the effects, you know, look better and stuff. Uh, but we did say this. Uh, I think I mentioned it when we reviewed episode one of this series. Where, aside from the hanging off the hoverboard thing at the beginning um, of episode one, which did look a little bit a little bit ropey in places, other than that, the rest of it uh, you can see. Like you mentioned, the scene last week where the the Pari ship crashes into the Centaur and stuff. It looks like a full on Hollywood Marvel thing. Um, there is that danger, I think I mentioned it, that you get this kind of style over substance thing going on where you're so consumed mm. with um, how good the effects are and everything. You potentially, you know, you should be focusing more on the story, basically, rather than that sort of stuff. So in this week, I feel like it was either a, a design decision and a direction decision to do that, to say, like, you know, this is very confusing. We know it's going to be potentially a mind melter for people so we really need to concentrate on just the characters and all that stuff and the visual effects was going to take a back seat or like you said it's a case of they were up against it just didn't have the time to really polish it and that sort of thing there were two effects for me dude that looked absolutely terrible so the um oh yeah the the daleks that were floating along the, we get that but the way that they looked there was something going on with the i don't want to get too techy but with the shading and the lighting effects yeah. on the you know the shaders on there they looked like almost a matte finish without any proper lighting or anything it was really weird but uh the first effect which was dreadful which is this kind of swarm of little things that are 
Oh, yeah. That are zipping around and just sort of disintegrating people, which I assume is some kind of thing related to the flux. You know, it's it has that very similar effect where it contacts people and just, you know, they uh, they sort of just blow up into smoke sort of thing. And they looked awful. They, it was almost like, um, like the blue, the color blue that they chose for these little things. Um, they, they just didn't contrast very well with the, the backgrounds or anything. So you've got this really, uh, sort of oversaturated blue color thing and they're all sort of melting into one, but there's no, again, there's no lighting or shade effect on them. They're just sort of this weird matte solid color. Looks really weird, dude. Really bad. It, it did. I, I picked up on that as well. I mean, I think what it is, is the, that's what I mean. Maybe this ran out of time because to me, it's as if the effects haven't been blended properly. They don't look, they, they look too much like effects. If you compare that awful blue swarm that you've just talked about, which just looks overlaid, it just doesn't blend with the picture. So it stands out as a bad effect. If you compare that to when Azure grabbed hold of the talky lampshade last week and it disintegrated in a hand. I mean, that was a beautiful shot and just yep. beautiful CGI. So something has definitely gone wrong this week in terms of it, it, it. The whole production just looks like it. It hasn't been quite, they haven't enough time to finish it. Like they've got the basic CGI there, but like you said about the Daleks, they really stood out to me. Uh, it's not often these days that when I, cause I've sat watching it my other half before he gave up and, and left that was right at the beginning and it's not often these days that I really oh I felt my back cringe mm -hmm. when they come on because you you know Doctor Who's sort of a, a standard now where you you're probably not going to have to worry about wobbly sets and too many bad effects but yeah I really felt myself go oh that mm -hmm. looks bad like the, yeah. the grading was wrong when they turned their heads their whole neck piece moved like it wasn't just the top of their head it was the whole it was the you know the grill and I'm thinking that, so that's not right. That's just a bad effect. Like they've obviously just tried to turn the Dalek head and they've moved the whole head. What on earth is going on? Um, as I, I know I'm probably making it sound like I'm making a big deal out of this because at the end of the day, I've never really been bothered by special effects in Dot 2 because I love the classic series. You can't be, you can't get hung up on these things. I think the only reason it's bugging me is because of how good the first two episodes have looked. And I just felt like, yeah, this this episode needed good effects to help it a little bit, and it it, it kind of made it even more of a frustrated watch yeah, yep. to me. Like so many things were standing out, I was like, "Oh God, that looks awful!" You know, every sort of couple of scenes, I was like cringing at something. Yeah, agreed, man. Yeah, mm. yeah, it was a bit off putting. The other effect that I found absolutely terrible was at the end where Vinda kneels down and he picks a bit of yes. dirt up, and then you see Bell on the other side. If there are any fellow designers or digital artists listening, back in the day when you were first learning to do how you blend one photo into another with Photoshop, you put the two on top of each other. You use a gradient, solid color to transparent, and then you have that nice blend between the two. If it's the first time you've done it in Photoshop, it looks bloody dreadful. You need to practice over time to get that stuff looking really good. This was like the intern had, had a go at it, and they thought, do you know what? That's 80% there. We haven't got time to mess around, so just go with that. That's what it looked like, dude. It was this weird like gradient fade into one picture, but the, the image wasn't tidied up, so it had like a bit of overlay, and it just it didn't align. They tried to do it like Bell sitting in the L Lupari ship, and it's got like this kind of green 
curved bit by the door where she's sitting down and i think they've tried to match that but it's overlapping and it's just untidy and i just thought come on that's like the basics that's the real simple stuff that you know but they obviously you must be right mate they must have just been up against it and Uh, it's the only thing there's no polish to it that's the thing yeah yeah Yeah. uh, you're right it's as if it's like they've put out an episode that hasn't quite had the uh, effects finished yet it's like you know um an early version of it um talking to that that spaceship you've just reminded me so that little doorway you're talking about we saw some cybers mm. appear through there very briefly i i, I kind of kn- i had a gut feeling the side men were going to be in this for like blinking you'll miss it i i, I kind of felt that was going to happen so i wasn't bothered at all that they were hardly in it. Uh, what I was bothered about is uh, that they were made into a complete joke. Uh, once again, they can't seem to shoot for Toffee. Um, they got <laughs> taken out within seconds. It just made, you know, it just, oh, the side men are just rubbish these days, it seems. Um, so, yeah, I, did, I just thought, what a pointless scene. Why even have a bother having them in it, to be honest? I mean, the only good thing about mm. it was they looked good when they were marching through the doorway, but that was it. Yeah, that was okay, yeah. Um yeah, that little shootout with Belle and and stuff, and she takes them out reasonably easy. They can't, yeah, they can't. It's the more stormtroopers have turned up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, it's kind of weird, but that scene was okay. That conversation, you know, she turns one of them over. It hasn't quite died yet. Yeah, you know, and she's like, he's like, "What's the mission?" And she's love, and he's like, or the sidemen. It might not be a he. he's like the sidemen's like, well, that's incorrect. You know, love is not a mission, and she gets a bit perturbed by that. Yeah, that was okay. That was kind of cool, but. It's interesting, dude, isn't it, that previously in Doctor Who, whenever there was a storyline where the Daleks were the baddies or the Cybermen were the baddies, they were like the focus of the story, Mm. obviously. And in this one, it's almost like they're just this fleeting, like the Daleks just zip past and that's it. Oh, they're Daleks. Yeah. Yeah. So I I kind of understand this thing that Chivers is doing where the flux of gone through the universe and they've destroyed you know pretty much most of the the galaxy or the universe whatever and so the the daleks and the cybermen and the centaurans they've seized the opportunity so on the they're sort of riding the tail of the flux basically so they can now go to all these planets and take them over and all that sort of stuff and i think that's what they're getting at so bell is on one of those planets that's been taken over by the daleks and she's you know evading them and stuff and while she's searching for Vinda. So, but it's just really funny, isn't it, that they've used the Daleks and Cybermen and just these little scenes where you would never think of them doing that before. It was like they have to be the main the main monster focus of that episode and it's about the Doctor uh, facing off against them and that big build-up and defeating mm-hmm. them and, and all that stuff. But now it's like, yeah, like five seconds on screen, oh, there's the Daleks and... You know. I felt they were just there for the trailer, to be honest. I yeah. felt it was just there to like a bit of a red her- herring, if you like. Um, I've talked about a lot of stuff I didn't like. I- I'm going to talk about one thing I did like, uh, which I this could this could be Marmite. This could be the sort <laughs> of thing where I say I like it and you're like, oh, dude, no. Um, it's the when they were playing the computer game and the Weeping Angel came out of the game. I oh, liked yeah, that scene. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Oh, yeah. you did? Yeah. I wasn't sure if you would think it was a bit tacky or whatever, but yeah, I thought that was a good scene. I mean, that kind of woke me up a bit and drew me back into what was going on because it was. I just thought it was a really cool idea to have because that's the sort of thing you can imagine like in real life, isn't it? Playing a computer game and a weeping angel being in it. And before you know it, it's jumped out the TV and it's in front of you. So I, I, that was a good. Yes, I liked that, that was cool, yeah. And we've seen that before with the angels where they've 
manage to manifest themselves physically from something else you know like the An image yes yeah so flesh and stone that episode they did that mm. that was the whole right. sort of crux if you like of that episode so that was cool it's interesting why they're why 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 they're following yaz i mm. wonder what that's about because yaz is the only one that's getting creeped out by them so that scene where she's gone back somewhere again in her time stream and she's got a police uniform on and she sat next to the other one which flits in between jody and and the other character she keeps seeing the angel in the wing mirrors and stuff yeah and that doesn't really go anywhere but then later on when she's with her sister i think and she's playing the the game and then that pops up and then again in the tardis at the end the angel is on her phone so i wonder why the angels are sort of targeting yaz to a degree mm. and what did you think to the end bit then where the angel makes its way into the tardis and then just takes the controls and I loved that. That bit. was cool, wasn't it? Yeah. So the <laughs> I was doctor, say, yeah, yeah, the doctor shouts, "The angel, you know, has, has taken the TARDIS." I've heard that before somewhere. That's almost mm, word sure. for word on something else. Is it? Oh, not yeah. Sure. Uh, anyway, yeah. So that was very cool, wasn't it? Where the doctor actually shouts, "Oh, they've taken. She's taken the TARDIS." Whatever. So that was really cool. The doctor, like the angel, taking the TARDIS, and when we're like, "Frick!" Like, what's going on? It's terrible. I know. The, the cliffhangers this this series have been brilliant, I have to say. Um, that was another uh, corker. I mean, yeah, it's just the way the angel flips the the lever lever on the on the console. Um, yeah, brilliant cliffhanger, and I loved it. I loved that those last you know that last minute of the angel inside the TARDIS. I was like, uh oh. I have to say, the trailer for next week's looks really good. I don't want to get my hopes up. I think that's the I think that's one of the reasons I was so annoyed after watching this episode. Is it? I've been on such a high this series. I think this has kind of dampened my spirits a little bit, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm lifting them back up, and I, I've got a good feeling about next week. So, I mean, as I said, the trailer looks really cool and weeping angels and stuff. So, yes, but it was a good, good ending, wasn't it? It With was good. Artists, yeah, I did like that. Yeah. yeah, a couple more things I just want to mention, dude. We got a little bit of an explanation now about this figure that was walking around with Swarm and Azure last week, this thing passenger. called Passenger. Yeah. So we know now that they're basically um, like a vessel for all of the, the people that have been captured, uh, basically. So um, uh, we saw the um, the character die from last week, uh, who was meant yeah. to, or the week before, sorry, that was meant to meet up with Dan on a date sort of thing. Sorry. And she ended up going into that creepy house, do you remember? Yes. And then yeah. in this episode, uh, I think it's Azure, like, no, sorry, Swarm's like, oh, he's so good. I'll come on to him in a second. I but know, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's like, ah, oh, um, he's a uh, Dan Lewis, have I got a, something for you sort of thing? And then the, that, the passenger glows and then we see a little uh, a little hologram thing of, of die and stuff. And so that was really cool. But it was also used as by the Doctor to defeat them in the first place. So, uh, um they put the passenger on the on the the, the circle thing where the, the Maury normally stand. So they've obviously hijacked it previously, mm. uh, you know, and one of the priests is inside the passenger and stuff. So that was really cool. Like the whole Fugitive Doctor, that's the way they captured them in the first place sort of thing. Yeah, I, like, really cool. I, I did like that idea, actually. And I, I, I like the I, the character of passenger. And, and it's good, good that we found out sort of what he is quite early on, I think, rather than just standing in the background looking menacing. So, yeah, I always like it when there's a bit more to a character than you assume he's a baddie because of the way he looks, but it's actually a bit more to him and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, they're like the Boba Fett 
of, of Doctor Who. Yeah. We've so, had a lot of Star Wars uh, references this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about... Um, so we've spoken about Jodie. I think we're yes. agreed that she's had a, a, a pretty decent one this week. She's really yes. strong, really. like It was almost like big Hollywood films writing in some of this bit, you know, like when she's like, on oh, my command... You know, that reminded me of Gladiator. He's like, my command, unleash hell sort of thing. And it's just, you know, something's quite, you know, something big's about to happen. It's, it's epic, which is cool. Um, I think John Bishop didn't get as much to do in this one that we've seen in the last couple of episodes, although he was still good. There was that scene where it's hopping between time when he's walking with, with, um, uh, is it, is it with, not Diane, it's with, um, is it Diane that he's walking with? Yeah, because he goes yes, back in the yeah. time stream, sorry. Yes. And uh, every time that he's about to start a new sentence, he's in a different location and stuff and around Liverpool. That was very cool. But he I, just I, didn't I, have as much to do. No, he, he didn't. But I, I have to say, I, like, I really like the scenes he's in. Uh, you know, uh, that was a really nice moment when he was talking about how he nearly got married. And um, I just want to say once again, I think John Bishop is a, is quite a natural actor. I, I really like the way he delivers the performance, um, it, you know, I care, I care about Dan, and and that's thanks to the way Do, uh, John Bishop is is playing him. Yeah. You know, when he when he's talking about nearly getting married, I I, can't, I believe him. I you know he sort of looks a bit sad about it, and I'm on his side. I really really like Dan. So yeah, he wasn't in it that much, but uh, I like the little scenes he was in. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. And um, there was that con- there was that once I confuse him, but. He was very confused. You know, when he arrives in the tunnel with Williamson and oh yeah, he's like shooting at something. We don't know what. And then the swarm, those little blue things come zipping past. And he's like, what are you doing here? Like, where are we? Oh, are you in those tunnels? Or is that this area? And this Williamson guy, he's like just shouting, bellowing in his face and laughing and going crazy. We have no idea what's going on there. Again, hoping that's going to be pieced together somewhat because we still don't know what these tunnels are for. Mate, can you going. imagine the can you imagine the read through for this script? You know, like when they always so at the start of every episode, the first thing they do is they all sit around a table and they just say the lines and read through the script, don't they? In, in every yeah. doctor, yeah. that's just the thing they do. Can you? They must have been sat there going, like looking at each other. Yeah, I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall. I bet it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I bet no one had a clue what was going on. Yeah. Well, the point of those read throughs is that the writers and producers and the director and stuff, they can get a sense of how the dialogue is flowing and you know, how it all works and stuff. Normally (laughs) what would happen is they would take notes and be like, actually those two lines and that interaction could be tightened up or that not working. Let's change that in this, (laughs) the read through for this one, there's probably loads of times where they're like, does that make sense? And everyone's just got that. Yeah. (laughs) Shruggy kind of, they're uh, all looking at Chibbers, all looking yeah. to the corner of the room, <laughs> yeah. where he's sat. And he's just sort of sat there grinning like, I've yeah, got this guy, don't worry. His drink. <laughs> he's like, just follow me. This is all going to work out. Just trust yeah. me. And everyone's like, okay. Trust the Chibs. The actors are probably like, what the, I don't know. I've read the lines as you've written them. Whatever else you've got planned, whatever it is, it's fine. But I've just read it as it is. I don't know why I've why these lines are here. It doesn't relate to anything. But there we, there we go. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, John Bishop uh, was good. good, just not much in it um, for him. Uh, Mandip Gill, she's good. The only thing is, she was really strong when she was um, 
when Vinder pictures her instead of that old commander dude. Yeah, really good in that scene. She was yeah. really strong. And then she, another good scene where she's with her sister playing the game and the angels turn up. Mm. It's just that bit at the end where she's got that whiny... I know. I think she does it at the beginning as well. Nagging. Yeah, when the Doctor finally jumps out of the time stream and she's like, you're okay, you're okay. And, uh, you know, and the Doctor snaps at her again and she got that sort of forlorn little face. And at the end, she is getting a little bit, like we said, there was a danger, isn't it, that she's going to become this moany, naggy... Like Perry. Yeah. yeah. Or Rose in Series 2. Yeah, that sort of nagging. Yeah. Otherwise, she was pretty sweet. Even the Doctor's getting a bit snappy with her isn't she so yeah i know yeah she was it was just nice to see her getting something different to do and like you said i love the scene where she's like in the commander's chair i thought she was quite authoritative in that so yeah it was good performance i think from mandit this week yes uh vinder jacob anderson he was pretty good in this one yeah i'm warming to him finally yeah finally Yeah. yeah still intrigued about this there's something dude that's linking all like him and bell and their baby Mm. and stuff together Mm. in in something because we understand that he got put on this outpost that we see in episode one for sort of um insubordination i suppose and he reports that grand serpent dude and he knows that putting that report in um he's going to get his ass kicked he knows that and then he's on this station and the station is called rose it's called Outpost Rose, isn't it? Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Oh. And then we have this whole... Th- so there's something that's linking these two characters. Mm. I don't want to go into it too much, like I said earlier, but yeah. <laughs> but I am warming to him, though. Yeah. Uh, he, he is quite cool. He's got a bit of a presence about him. He's, it's something cool about him. I think which is why he was very good in Game of Thrones. I didn't watch all of it, but the scenes that I did see him in, he was, he was very good in that as well. So he's definitely mm. got a presence. And, and then... Um, Thadea Graham, who played Belle, like you said, she was kind of cool. I, I liked yeah. her, yeah. Yeah, it reminded me a bit of a sort of an ace-type character that gets stuck in. and um, yeah. yeah, I thought her performance was good as well. And again, she's uh, I haven't, don't know if she's been in stuff before this. I've never seen her before in anything as far as I'm aware. But she seemed quite confident in the performance. And I think she seems to get the character she's playing. Um, yeah, I just, I liked her. And I did her little handheld emoji thing remind <laughs> you of the emoji robots i think it's yeah. the same sound effect isn't it i'm not it's sure but, yeah you know when it was doing the the face change to a smile i i felt like oh that's they've used the same effect from the uh, emoji bots in smile but mm. same sound effect i mean i don't know i just thought that was a nice little throwback if if i'm even right about that but yeah but i like bell mate i think um again intrigued to see a bit more from her character yes and, and what's going yeah. on with her and vinda hmm mm. yeah uh, and right, so um, if there's no one else you want to talk about, I just want to talk about um, Sam Sproul, who plays Swarm. Oh, yeah. And Roshenda Sandow plays as yours. So he had another cracking episode, That's dude. so good. <laughs> like, they don't even have to be in it for like, a long scene. They're just, whatever scene they're in, they're, yeah, you yeah. just can't take your eyes off them. Yeah. So I like the fact that when we're in the Doctor's memory, we see the sort of older Swarm. You know, he's yeah, he's the yeah. same. He's in the same form as when those two division agents go onto the planet at the beginning in episode one, and he's confined. He's yeah. in that old because he's got different clothes on as well. He's got like almost like a like a smoking jacket on in this one. It's <laughs> you know, um, 
so he's comfortable on this planet time you know he's got a little bit old a little bit chubby he's comfortable and uh it's not until he sort of absorbs the life force i think of those agents on the first episode he becomes the younger version of himself but there's I, I a- hadn't tweaked it was him to begin with I, mate, i'm gonna put that down to the drink i didn't even realize it was him <laughs> on first watch <laughs> yeah it's um uh, but there was one scene where um segan's music was perfect as well when the doctor was like mm-hmm. you know what's going on sort of thing and he sort of points and he's got this mischievous grin on his face and he's like yep. you know to reign in hell and uh, uh segan's music kicks in with this being like <laughs> that scene was like this guy is badass and he means business like the doctor can't stop him no one can stop him at the minute we don't know what his relationship is with the flux or anything he's just such a we said it in every episode haven't we he's such a great baddie a great villain and um azure she's got this evil little grin sort of thing calculating yeah hats off to chibbers for writing a couple of belters of baddies for this series yeah they're brilliant mate i i love but i think they're both brilliant yeah i mean um swarm when he you know when the project projection of diane came out and uh and dan was like getting all getting his knickers in a twist the swarm just turned to uh azure with like this look of glee didn't they look at him his, his, his performance is just so on point well both of them um they have yeah they have nailed those characters um they're, and they're so good yeah they, are <laughs> they awesome. look so yeah. good as well i love the look of them but the actors playing them are are really delivering a, a fantastic villainous performance without going over the top yeah exactly yeah it's not theater is it it's not um, no it's just proper you they, they're believable aren't they it's like you know they, they shouldn't be they're ridiculous but they you be, they're so evil they're so believable yeah and it was nice there as well there was a little moment as well where in the memory where it's the fugitive doctor but it's jody sort of flitting between them mm. where swarm gets really angry like it's the first time you've seen him oh yeah not in control because yeah he's like tell me you didn't bring them here like he's referring to the maori that you know the priests that have turned up um he just loses it for a second yeah Yeah, because up to this point he's been in 100 percent control he's like the perfect bond villain for 80 percent of the of a bond film where the he's just in total control everything's going to plan and then there was that one scene where, yeah, he just loses it. It was brilliant. Mm. He's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Did you think um, Joe Martin just slipped effortlessly back into the Fugitive Doctor role as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. She just, yeah. Yep. Just, again, just screen presence um, is amazing from her, isn't it? She's just so assured, mm-hmm. so confident in her performance. Um, even though, again, she was only in a couple of little scenes. Um, it, yeah, she's just really good. I really like uh, Joe Martin as Fugitive. Yeah, there was a, a really cool line the way she delivered it as well. When Jodie sees her in the reflection and she sees Jodie back, they kind of acknowledge that, okay, this is weird. She's like, what are you doing in my, you know, that's, and then the doctor says like, this must be my past. This is a memory sort of thing. And there was, I can't remember word for word what Joe Martin's doctor says, but she says something like, well, it sounds like you've got a lot to do. You better go and sort it out. And then she just sort of casually walks off you know and the, obviously the doctor follows because it's the same person in the reflection but just cool as a cucumber yeah and did i did i understand it right the fugitive doctor didn't recognize she didn't know who jody was did she no because they wouldn't have I met think, at that point this no, was back that in point, the yeah. way in the past 
Mm. I don't want to go down the. <laughs> you know, to, I, I can imagine. You know, you think Stephen Moffat was timey wimey. He was probably watching this his jaw on the floor, thinking <gasps> he's been completely outdone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with the timey wimey stuff. Yeah, if I was Moff, I'd have taken to Twitter by now. They'd be like, "You lot cuss me," because <laughs> I threw a few little timey wimey story threads into a few episodes. If you lot are not complaining about this now, you can all beep off. <laughs> you know, you said last week about you thought Chibbers had had a conversation with Russell. Do you think the phone was engaged this week? And he, he, he thought, oh, I'll give Stephen a try. I Definitely. can't get rid of Russell. Let me yep. let me try Stephen. <laughs> Stephen sat there, bottle of red, sat you know by the chair. And they just had a good old natter. That's, you know, exchanged ideas. And this is what ended up. Actually, I'm going to tell our writer off, Jordan Shortman, actually. I'm going to tell him off because I've seen a few people say this, and Jordan was one of them, that they feel that if, Stephen Moffat's name had been put on this script. People would be praising the hell out of it. I have to say, sorry, Jordan, I love you to bits, but I don't agree with that. And I've seen a few people saying that I don't agree because I, even if Stephen Moffat's name was on this, I would not feel any different about it. And I, I don't think, um, I think the comparison is there cause it's timey wimey, but I don't think, I don't think that's true. Uh, yeah. I think I, I replied on Twitter, those guys you that did. were chatting about the yeah, hours like, well, not not necessarily true because when the moth did it when we've reviewed a, you know all of that stuff over the last few years we've really let him have it for, yeah. for that and he's stuff let himself yeah. have it he's, you know he's, yeah. he will always admit when he's he's uh, got it wrong so yeah. yeah i think what it is is because the chitnalier has not been received as well like it or like you know if you don't like that statement unfortunately it's true um mm. you know the chibbers era has not been that well received as the previous showrunners eras i think what happens is as soon as you start to see a little wobble because even though the last two episodes have been really good mm. when you see this sort of episode where it's yeah it, and you see a little the wheels start to wobble a little bit then all of a sudden it's like oh yeah we're back to chibbers being crap but yeah. like the previous showrunners would have been amazing so it's i get what you mean i get what you mean yeah, yeah so i think there's a little bit of um rose tinted glasses being worn yeah, yeah so you know you put people. it like that mate is that if that's what jordan's getting I, I i understand that to an extent yeah yeah i think so mm-hmm. anyway um yeah so those guys absolutely brilliant so i just want to finish on segan's music uh mm. a- again very very cool There's some really good sort of uh action hollywood action kind of big um themes like when swarms on screen and um the bits where the doctor's in the time storm and some of the scenes where uh, Bell is fighting, a st- um, I was going to say the stormtroopers then, mm. they practically are the Cybermen. Uh, really good action stuff, but still no... Did you notice that there was a little bit of um, that theme where the woman who fell to Earth, you know, that theme where the, the, the Doctor's theme, and they mm. play it quite heavily when she's making her sonic screwdriver in that first episode and stuff like that, there was a little inflection of that in some of the scenes where Jodie's in it. And you thought that they were going to play the whole theme, but they only played the first few notes and the first bit of it. Mm. Um, so they injected that a little bit, but still no instantly recognisable theme. So if Murray was doing this, we would have had a theme for Vinda, a theme for Swarm and Azure, a theme for Dan as the companion, but we don't get any of that. So I'm missing that still, but the music's still pretty sweet. Yeah, I have to say, um, Seagun's music's working quite well for me so far, this series. I, I get what you mean about the, the themes not being there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's um, For me, it's suiting the story quite well so far. I think he's kind of hitting the hitting the mark. Uh, he's, he's got his own style, obviously. It's totally different to Murray's. But 
yeah, I'm liking it so far, this series. I think the only thing I did, I didn't notice the bit with the Sonic, mate, I'll be honest. I did notice, I think... No, no, I mean um, the, um, the music in the yeah, very first jo- episode of Jodie's. Yeah, that music. Yeah. They yeah. replayed it, but only half of the theme. Well, the first few notes start to play and then it goes off into something else. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I didn't, I didn't notice it. Oh, like okay. I said, the only, the only thing I, I did notice was when Swarm appeared at the end um there was a bit of music and i thought it was quite recognizable and i'm not sure if that's something that's been played every time swarm appears so maybe he's got his own theme or maybe like you've just said it was something that sort of harks back to an earlier series that that, you know it was a bit of music i recognized so slowly but surely there's the odd bit that is turning into a sort of in brackets theme i suppose Mm. uh but uh, yeah nothing stand out but i I did like i do like the atmosphere that's being created by segan so far this series yeah Yeah, agreed yeah 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 i think he's upped his game quite a bit actually yeah agreed all right dude have you got anything else on your notes you want to talk about oh no i don't think so no you're good Right, scores then. I think it's you to go first, dude. Yeah, I'm going to give this probably a bit of a generous uh, 6 out of 10. Okay. Um, on a first watch, well, now actually, I was going to say, I think I've rated it a 5 to begin with, and it didn't really go up. I, I'm giving it a 6 because although it's, I didn't, although I thought it was a messy episode, I can appreciate the good things in it, and I don't think it's awful uh, in terms of it's not a, really a 5 or anything lower, I don't think. It's got stuff going on. I just don't understand it. <laughs> but I, I, I'm giving it a six, which, as I said, probably a bit generous. But it's not bad. I just couldn't get my head around it. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping it will make more sense, you know, once we can see the whole of Series 13. Yeah, so, I read mm. you. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with a 6.5. Okay. And that's predominantly for the performances for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought Jodie upped her game in this one. Yaz was good. Dan was really good in the scenes that we was in it. Swarm and Azure, just brilliant. Really good. And I'm really intrigued on um, Barbara Flynn's character as well. She was very mm. good. So the performances for me, but the story side of things, although very messy, not terrible, but just, yeah. We're putting a lot of trust in Chibbers on this one, dude. Yes. Because we, we are relying on him to tie <laughs> a lot of this stuff up in a nice little bow in two weeks time so if he doesn't i'm going to go back to this week and change this to a one out of five, one out of ten. Oh, okay we are putting a lot of trust in him on this one so he better That's deliver true. so but anyway joking aside yeah 6.5 for the performances um alone okay so a six from you 6.5 from me uh i'll do another montage of all of our uh, listener reviews Ooh, uh, the audio reviews for uh, for that. So Seb Lane, Neil Campbell, Martin Arnold, Will Sanger, Toby Coleman, Joe Turner, Brian Chapman, Isaac Sigmar, and Ian Stevens. Thank you very much for your audio reviews. I'm going to play those now. So yeah, uh, let's see what these guys had to say. Hi, Mo from France here with my brief review of Once Upon Time. I mean, what the living F is going on? I sat focused concentrating, really trying hard, and understood almost nothing. The first episode, I gave a pass. It was world building, it was scene setting, introducing new characters. The second episode was actually rather good, but this was a load of old guff and sorely tested my patience. Style over substance, Jesus H. Corbett, just noise, basically. Visual and aural noise for 50 
minutes. Every single bit of positivity I gleaned from episode two has just been eradicated. Hi, my name's Chris Chibnall, and I'm just gonna put some Daleks on screen, and some Cybermen on screen, and some Weeping Angels on screen, and some Sontarans on screen, and hope that nobody notices that this whole thing is a total blooming shambles. If this is modern Who, or indeed modern TV, you can stick it right where the sun don't shine. I'm fine with my classic Who and TNG. Thanks all the same. Why can't there just be plots anymore? Why does everything have to be super densely layered and convoluted and oh so bloody taking itself so bloody seriously? Absolutely hated this. Hope it's an aberration in the sixth episode run. Fear that this is how it's going to be from now until the end. And just imagine being a casual viewer and catching this. Blimey. Two nonsensical scenes after another out of ten. Dreadful. For further thoughts, check out my own podcast, Different Doctor, Same Old S. Alors, c'est Sufi, je parti. A bientôt, mes amis. Je suis vexé. Hello, Gary and Adam. So, once upon time, whatever the hell it's called, um, I'm not going to lie to you, and this might sound a little bit dramatic, but I think that was probably one of the worst Doctor episodes uh, of all time. I hated it, to be honest with you. It made no sense. It was so boring. I almost fell asleep during what, whilst watching it. Um, nothing interesting was going on at all. It felt just like a series of weird clips. To be honest with you, the Daleks were in it, the Cybermen were in it, the, that Roof Doxa person was in it. Um, I found absolutely no enjoyment out of it enough. I felt like I've just wasted 50 minutes of my life, to be honest. Um, yeah, this isn't looking very good. For the rest of the series but next week looks okay so yay i'm gonna give it a 0.5 out of 10 bye for now overall i did enjoy this episode although it's one of those episodes where it could be totally ruined and devalued depending on what happens with the resolution of flux i liked the scenes of the companions in these altered versions of timelines and the dots are constantly trying to speak to them it was very timely while and structurally different and risky in a way series 11 and 12 wasn't and that style of storytelling does appeal to me. I also liked Vinda's backstory and the Weeping Angels were excellent, especially that cliffhanger. That being said, I have significant issues with it. Joe Martin's Doctor was utterly wasted, and the plotline involving the Doctor's past holds no stakes of lack of context. And with Jodie Whittaker and Joe Martin having contrasting personalities, Jodie Whittaker in her place simply felt very unnatural. Not just that, but the Doctor's further frustration with not knowing her past it's simply becoming tiresome and frustrating, and it's heading in a direction I really don't like. Once Upon Time was a really good character-focused story. It moved the Flux story on nicely from War of the Centaurans, and even though it was timey-wimey, Chibnall did a good job explaining it. It was fantastic to see Joe Martin's Doctor back. I hope she returns. She deserves more screen time, and I kind of wanted Jodie to turn into the Fugitive Doctor, uh, for the scenes with the Division, permanently. Exploring the Division was cool. Carvinista was great to see again, and the other two have to be the in-gap. We got to see the backstories of each character fleshed out a bit, like Dan and Vinda. I thought it was especially good characterisation for Vinda. 
I liked the character of Belle and how she was used to demonstrate the extent of damage caused by the flux on the universe. Also, it was great to see the Daleks and the Cybermen en masse. Perhaps the old woman at the end is the Doctor's mother, who could, who could be a regenerated version of the woman from the end of time, who Rassilon refers to as the Weeping Angels of Old, tying in threads between the presence of the Weeping Angels in Flux and the house at the start of the episode 2, which could potentially be the house of Long Barrow. But overall, I'm going to give this episode a 9 out of 10. Thank you. So Chris Chibnall comes up with a concept that doesn't get any explanation and we're just supposed to buy into it with no reason to do so and then he shoehorns in stuff to try and make us do that case in point Linda's partner at the end of the episode she's only in that episode so that in the end you can go oh that's who she is but we don't have any reason to care about her or Linda I don't care about him why should I Dan continues to be I don't even know why he's in it honestly and that's the problem nothing's explained um, I don't know who any of these people are, this, this swarm, the woman in the, the, the space station, the old woman, who, who is she? Um, it's the same with the uh, with Joe Martin's alternate doctor. Who is she? Who cares? I, I mean, I've no reason to care. The story was rubbish. It was a hot mess. Absolute mess. I, I don't understand what this was supposed to be. And I, I am deeply disappointed. I had hoped that this would redeem the show um, so far. Flux has been a terrible storyline. Next week looks better, though, um, but that's because the trailer managed to denude it of all the silly nonsense about Flux. So it looks like a proper classic um, horror kind of demons kind of episode. I hope I'm not wrong. Otherwise, I'd rather watch Tim Shaw's return. In fact, I'd rather be reviewing Country File. Not out of 10. Sorry. What the Flux was that? After such a positive start to this series... Last night's episode was an absolute shambles. I've said it before and I've absolutely no doubt I'll say it again. The Timeless Child Arc is an absolute disaster. Last night's episode was so confusing. Like even when the Fugitive Doctor showed up, that should have been a big wow moment. It was just like, oh, she's there. Like there was, like, it just, I don't know. Like, oh... I was really disappointed. I like I, I felt like I didn't have a clue what on earth was going on. There's too much going on now. Like, you know, uh, I, I, it was just so disappointing. Even my girlfriend was watching it with me and she was just like, Neil, this is dreadful. And I was like, I can't argue with you. I mean, I understand people listening to these voice notes probably think my accent is hard enough to understand because I'm from Northern Ireland. But your woman last night, her accent from Northern Ireland was just cringe and she's shooting Cybermen down Cybermen the, the second biggest villain or monster in Doctor Who history and they're just jobbed out to some girl running round looking love what a load of nonsense I just I have no idea what they were thinking garbage like 4 out of 10 cheers so we're halfway through Doctor 2 Series 13, Flux, which feels weird to say through the worries three episodes in. But overall, I'd say that while this episode wasn't as good as last week's for me, it was solid and would maybe be on par as the same as episode one. It certainly felt like similar because it had so much going on. I liked the stuff with Yaz and the Weepy Angel. And I loved how I loved how um, the Doctor was being thrown to all different bits of time. Though that was really confusing, I didn't get it at the beginning. The stuff with 
Belle, I think her name was, um, Vinda's lover. I was really confused because I didn't seem to fit in, but it's nice also to get some characterization of Vinda. And who was expecting the Daleks to appear, though I thought the CGI was a bit naff. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> um, I will say that I felt like Dan was underused, but it was amazing to see the Roof Doctor back and how that tied in with this whole Flux thing. So the Flux was created to stop the Doctor and end the universe. This sounds a bit like stopping the Doctor sounds a bit like what they did in A Good Man Goes to War. Who knows? Anyway, Village of the Angels, so that cliffhanger was good. I can't wait. See you next week. Bye. Hello, Garen Adam. I was at Sigmar here. So, once upon a time, I thought it was quite similar to episode one in a way, as it sets up many things that will most likely be tied up by or at the end of the series. I didn't think it was as good as episode one, but I was pretty confused by what was going on, and that cliffhanger resolution left me bitter throughout. So, six out of ten for me. Looking forward to next week's episode. Hello, everyone. This is Brian Chapman from the Two Stoplight Town with a brief set of thoughts concerning Once Upon Time, the third chapter of Series 13. I try to watch an episode twice before committing a review. However, during my first watch of this particular episode, I realized no amount of extra viewing would bring clarity to what was going on, which, in the case of this season, in my opinion, is not necessarily a bad thing. I appreciate what Chris Chibnall is aiming for here, even though I don't see the target yet. On a more concrete line of thought, Bell and Vendor's story was great. Swarm and Azure continue to be an awesome pair of baddies. And it was great seeing the fugitive Ruth Doctor as well. For now, as far as scores are concerned, I'm sticking with 8 out of 10. Bye, y'all. Thank you, thank you very much. As always, um, a bit of a mixed bag with those, uh, I'll be honest, dude. So, um... But yeah, that was expected. I think this episode was always yeah, yeah. going to be yeah, divisive. Yeah, so thank you very much, guys. Uh, what did the uh, uh, listeners think over on the socials? Over on um, over on Twitter, uh, our writing, Jordan, Jordan Shortman says... Naughty boy. Apart from the resolution to last week's cliffhanger, I thought it was another strong episode. Really liked the Fugitive Doctor back and some exploration of the Doctor's previous history with Swarm. The Weeping Angels were fun too, though the CG Daleks looked terrible. Yes, they did. Yes, they did, dude. Uh, <laughs> the Courier of Who says, this was a large info dump of an episode. It took three watches to understand fully. Six out of ten. Mm. Also, who put 50p in Stephen Moffat for this one? <laughs> uh, DSG says, a lot going on and might need a few watches to understand. I think Chidna was trying to fix or give an out for the timeless child or even say, fans, you've got to deal with it. The mm. woman in grey talking about the damage to time is already done. Interesting. Mm. interesting zombie who nice name says this episode will entirely depend on where this story arc is going yeah if this is some alternate dimension of doctor's history like i'm hoping then this will be cool however if this is 100 percent all the pre-hartnell stuff then for me this is not going to be good uh, because i'm not a fan of that story mm. we'll see zombie uh, tom turlow says uh it felt very bitty, leaping around from timeline to timeline, and lacked the coherence of last week's episode. It felt like the middle section of a longer story, which it is, of course. Nice to see Dr. Ruth back. Uh, I'll give it six out of ten. Oh, six. Yeah. Doctor Who Home said, I enjoyed bits of it, 
Bell's side plot was a highlight, but as a whole it felt a bit messy, but quick in places and then too slow in others. It was nice to get a few answers, but looking back as a whole, it doesn't feel like this set moved us much forward. So 6.5, not the worst mm. ever. Mm. Uh, our buddies over at Proc to Who podcast. Oh, yes. Uh, after two watches, I'm still none the wiser. Uh, Chibnall tries to write timey-wimey, but fails miserably. <laughs> too many characters, too much jumping from one to the other. The casual viewer must have been switching off on in their millions. Mm. After a good opening couple of episodes, uh, this has really let the side down. Maybe I'll feel different after a third watch, but I doubt it. I'm going to record my mini review for it after my third watch. So please check out the Prog to Who podcast to see if my opinion changed. Cheers, guys, Mark. So, yeah, make sure you check out Prog to Who because uh, Mark's back at the minute doing his mini reviews, yes. isn't he? For um, he's back for this series. So go and check the podcast out. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh, the fifty-first Doctor says, "I thought it was dreadful. Poor effects, bad acting, and the story made no sense. How is the average TV viewer meant to enjoy it? Such a shame. After the first two eps, they were pretty good by Chibnall standards. This was incredibly poor. Two out of ten. Oh. <laughs> Phil Vernon says, first watch. Don't watch an episode like this after a large Sunday lunch and a few glasses of wine." Nod off for two minutes and you've got no chance. Second watch was much better, but ultimately this was Moffat tribute act without the sparkle that the Moff brings. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's good work. Okay. Mm. Jessica says, another episode with a lot going on, but it held my interest for the whole time. And this was the, uh, and this was, and this time, sorry, the music wasn't overpowering the dialogue. Mm. Enjoying this season very much. Interested to see some more of Vinda's story. An eight out of ten. Nice. Mm. Nick H says at time of posting I've only watched this one time and it feels like two or three viewings are needed to get everything that's going on bold and inventive storytelling we should have had more of this in the last two seasons a nine out of ten wow chippy t loads of twitter negativity but i liked it lots to take in but the doctors were good vinda story fleshed out with bell great cliffhanger creepy angels sinister evil plotting mysterious lady threat it's not dull for sure rewatch essential though a solid eight an eight, okay. And lastly on Twitter, Vince Bishop says, Once Upon Time was absolutely fantastic. A bold move into challenging territory. Deep, dark, daring and dangerous. The kind of who I want, but not in every single episode. Complexity mm. is good, especially when it's this exciting. Yes, you wouldn't want it every week. No, thank you very much, Vince. And then there's a few on Facebook. Uh, Joseph Howarth says, Sorry, I've been able to send an audio review. Life got in the way. No worries, Joseph. Joseph, it's all good. Uh, he said, This story just didn't make any sense. Nice to see the Fugitive Doctor again. Uh, and we do get a glimpse of the other um, the Doctor's past, but it was so timey wimey that it was kind of bored halfway through. Mm. Uh, it's quite a long review. Joseph goes on to give it uh, a three out of 10. Oh, dear. Not good. Andrew Stewart says, I'm pretty sure I enjoyed it, but I managed to keep track of what was going on, which is good. And I thought Bell's story was excellent. I'll give it a seven. Seven. Mark Hugill says, I've never been so angry after an episode of Doctor Who. Oh, sounds like me. Says, what a mess. Incomprehensible drivel from start to finish. (laughs) A lot of the dialogue was drowned out by the music. I wonder how many viewers are still tuning in at the end of this so-called epic, a one out of ten. God, that is like if that, that was me after my first watch i actually used the word drivel as well i remember turning to me half going wow oh, what a lot of drivel ah. <laughs> i'm sure that wasn't me drunk writing that yeah uh lastly on facebook charlie turner says fan service galore wow. the craziest episode since series five with matt smith the big bang 11 freaking years can both of you guys believe it uh, anyway whether it was good or not i'd say that it was somewhat in between and a weeping angel piloting the TARDIS, question mark. There may be greatness to come at the time of this writing, though. Can't wait for next week. Yes, I'm looking forward to next week. Indeed, yeah. 
Crikey, dude. So a real mix. We knew it would be dif- uh, dis- divisive, this one. A mixed bag across everything. Yes, big time. I mean, but it again, as whether I liked it or not, I like the fact it's got us talking. So there's plenty to there's plenty to chew over in the old grey matter with this one, which is uh, not a bad thing. Yeah, defo. <laughs> yeah, we've gone from a one out of ten to a nine. So and everything in between. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, rightio, dude. Uh, we're going to come up to the episode now. So next week, I don't think we need telling, but what are we on to next week, dude? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. So it's called Village of the Angels. Um, be interested to see how Chibnall writes the uh, Weeping Angels. Is this the one written by him and someone else? Yeah. There's only one episode, isn't there, which is him and someone else um, uh, co-written think, with someone? Is it, Or is it the next one? No, I think, yeah, there was only one that was co-written by... Um, so I think it's this one. It was um, a female writer, isn't it? Uh, Maxine Alderton. Of whatever. Yeah. yeah, Maxine Alderton, yeah. Yeah, Village of the Angels, yeah, written by both of them. So, yes, yes, looking forward to that. Village of the Angels. Indeedy, dude. Yeah. Um, okay, dokie. I think we've got to wrap there, dude, for 332. All righty. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Doctor Who listener, for coming back and listening to another week. That was episode 332. A six from him, <laughs> 6.5 from me. Ah, oh dear, that was a. Yeah, that was good actually to talk it through with you, dude, in the review. Because as we were talking through and stuff like that, there were a few things I was like, ah, oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, same. I thought that. There's, there's so much to take in in this episode, isn't there? It was a, that's why it's good to talk through with you, actually. Just it brings out stuff that you didn't notice. And yeah. Indeedy. Yes. Next week, then, for episode 333, all the threes, we're going to be uh, talking about this Sunday's episode, which is Village of the Angels. So that sounds rather intriguing. Mm. see what those cheeky angels are up to might see Sally Sparrow make an appearance or will they finally get Yaz (gasps) (gasps) might shut her up a bit imagine shock exit for Yaz imagine that the doctor's like thank god for that (laughs) 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 so until then make sure you follow our podcast in whatever podcast app you listen to your podcast on that way you won't miss a show when it lands every single Friday you can also listen to the episodes for free over on the website bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk and you can check out the reviews and articles from people like Jordan and Maria and Mark and Harry and you know all of our, our writing team so go and check those out we are on the socials too Instagram, Twitter and Facebook links are on the website come and give us a like and a follow we're chatting lots of Doctor Who at the minute on the socials so come and get involved over there and we have a free Discord server so a link on the website hop over there and chat more Doctor Who with some cool Who fans also, as always, make sure you check out my co-host channel. It's over on YouTube. It is the Geek Sandbag. Geek Sandbag, yes. Go and have a look at my vids. And uh, happy Christmas ruined. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm on all the socials. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yes, so go and do that. Go and find me, yeah. Okay, so have a cracking week, everybody. Enjoy episode, or oh, sorry, chapter four, Village of the Angels. We'll see you next week. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Hey, Lottie. Lottie.